0: Are you looking for a podcast your whole family can enjoy together? Uh Check out Culture Kids Podcast. Our adventures will ignite your curiosity for culture, traditions, languages, geography, and even pop culture with interviews from guests all over the world. Through each episode, we aim to help children become empathetic, creative leaders in their communities and help them see the beauty in our differences. And that's Culture Kids Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, this is Chris. And I'm Angie. We just wanted to provide a quick update uh, for this episode. We recorded the vaquita porpoise and river dolphin episode in late October. And then a week later, the conservation story that we tell you over the next hour, we talk a lot about how they are working in the Gulf of California to save this species, the vaquita porpoise specifically.
1: Right. The species went from a population of 60 two years ago down to 30 this year right. and so many conservationists and scientists internationally decided they need to take matters into their own hands right. for sure to try to help save the the key to porpoise right. and so their goal was to use ocean pens to capture or at least attempt to capture the remaining 30 in an attempt to save them
0: my friend jonathan who's at the uf vet school knows some people on that project and he talked a little bit about that and what's going on with them and how devastated people are long story short they captured a female they brought her into one of these ocean pens and she died she stressed out and died and this is why porpoises aren't good in captivity so i just want to let you know we are aware they they've completely shut the project down for now they may reattempt in the spring uh, in a few months but they're trying to evaluate what they're doing and i think we may just be witnessing the end of this this population they just may end up going extinct
1: yeah it's sad yeah as my hope, though, is maybe there will be a miracle. Yeah. You never know. Or that at least the worst case scenario is that as uh, researchers and scientists and conservationists, if we can learn from some of the issues that have happened with vaquita, which you'll hear more about in the episode. Right. If we can learn from that and do better because there's lots of other species right. out there that need our help.
0: Right. And, you know, they're not out yet, but no, 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 they no. may be. They may be so, so listen, you know, learn their great species and share Sure, and we know, touch with, with people that you know.
1: Yeah. We touch on uh, the uh, river dolphins too, which a lot of those um, species are having some issues. And so you're going to learn a lot of interesting facts yeah, and hopefully fall in love with the pink river dolphin and also the vaquita.
0: So just keep following us on our website, allcreaturespod.com and we'll keep you updated on what we know about the vaquita and enjoy the episode. Thank you. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. Okay, so, the river dolphin, the faquita, let's talk about cetaceans today.
1: Yes, this is a really cool group of um, aquatic mammals.
0: What can they teach us?
1: Each female, this is great, Chris. It's been documented that females have different mothering styles. Hmm. Okay, some are very protective. Yeah. While some are more relaxed and letting their cats explore.
0: Many species are in crisis and need your help.
1: From what they can tell, the counts in um, 2016 alone um, were cut in half, so right. there was about 60, now there's about 30. Right. Basically, earlier this year in 2017, the Mexican government, bless their hearts.
0: Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. I'm Chris.
1: And I'm Angie.
0: Angie, I'm fired up. Uh-oh. I'm really fired. I'm in a good way. Should I
1: put a seatbelt on yes, you? Yes, please.
0: Please. <laughs> I am really fired up this morning. And I really wanted to record last night, but I knew I'd need to sleep on my thoughts. You
1: should always give it a good 12-hour grace period. No, no.
0: So <laughs> yesterday afternoon, I sat in on a seminar. Our good friend, Charlotte, she gave a great seminar on your sixth mass extinction mm-hmm. to a group of scientists of all people. So it was really a group that needs to hear this. You know, a lot of animal scientists, and, and I'd say a lot of them were... Physiologists. Right. Yeah. Livestock, you know, kind of those those folks. The room was probably half to 3 quarters South American scientists. Mm-hmm. So I felt like they really needed to get this message because that is obviously a hot spot. Because today we're going to talk about the Vaquita porpoise and river dolphins, mm-hmm. which both are Central and South America, and, and then the river dolphins in Asia, but again, a hotspot. You know, we talk about conservation hotspot.
1: Sure, there's a lot of wildlife, ecological diversity right. In, right. in the Amazon basin, for sure.
0: Right. Charlotte did an awesome job presenting the the evidence and the data, and then we had a really good, I'd say 20, 30 minute discussion. And To, to back up a little bit, in science, as scientists, debate is good. Debate is normal and healthy. That's what we do, right? We debate about a lot of stuff. And then we come to consensus.
1: Right. We look at the facts. Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. Sometimes
1: feelings get a little bit involved. They do. But we try to use facts. Right.
0: And we try to be logical Mm -hmm. in our arguments. So, In evidence. In evidence, right. Evidence-based arguments is is everything that that we're taught Mm -hmm. as scientists. And so, like, when you hear a little bit of debate in climate change, that's good and healthy, but when 90%... Of climate scientists come in and say, "Hey, this is a problem. This is an issue. You got to take notice." And that is a almost that's pretty much a consensus. Correct. You know, and it was like renaming Pluto to a to a small planet or whatever that made the news. It hurt a
1: lot of our feelings because we grew up with Pluto, but the the data kept showing time and time and time again that it was not a A full planet. planet.
0: Yeah, and. I don't even think that was like I don't even know what the consensus was. It was a majority, mm-hmm. but it wasn't an overwhelming majority to rename Pluto as as a planetoid or whatever. So we had a very good discussion on this yesterday and and I was very interested, you know, I'm taking notes furiously. But it got a little not yeah, I wouldn't say heated, but a little emotional because I I there's a scientist in that room that I respect very well. I have followed his work for 20 years. I look up to him as a mentor and he is very, very intelligent, very well respected around the world, probably one of the top reproductive scientists in the world. Long story short, he was talking about first <clears throat> he does he see he thinks humans will survive just fine in this sixth mass extinction. He's like, we're part of the nature, we're part of the environment, we will survive no matter what. And I disagree with that statement because one of the things, and we didn't get to have time to get into all of this, and it's probably something that like we should go, you know, after work and sit around a, a sure a have table, a beer or coffee, yeah, and just and talk about these ideas because that's what we like to do, as geeks,
1: totally, what we love to do. But
0: you know, the reason I think that's a wrong view to take as far as humans is not only are we interrupting the the circle of life and the tree of life, as resources start to become limited. You know, I brought up the the point like desertification is a a known phenomenon in parts of Africa. Well, how are
1: we going to feed this planet? How are we going to feed the people? And then there's disease, and we're obviously focusing on this podcast on wildlife. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't think people are not susceptible to some extinction possibilities too, or at least suffering. Right. And there's already a lot of human suffering. Right.
0: Right. And as the population grows, and that's what his bottom line was: we have too many people, which I agree with. Of course,
1: I think, and that's why we're
0: straining. The resources and one of the things that Charlotte said yesterday, which I hadn't heard before, but it was a great factoid, was we're using about one point six of the Earth's resources at the rate right now. So we need one we almost need two Earths to support what we're using. What we're taking yeah. out. And what we're taking out to be sustainable. So his first point about humans will survive just fine, I I disagree with because I think as resources get limited, our military here in the United States they have identified climate change as a major threat mm-hmm. and, and the question is why why would they why would the military you know even Be though involved our, even though our government doesn't or some political leaders in our country don't see it as a threat when the the u s military says this is a huge threat to uh, our country
1: well yeah, I think the um, just today the government stated an issue. Backing up climate change. Right. Now, of course, that probably doesn't represent certain people yeah, in the government.
0: Like our, our wonderful EPA head right now is but just a joke.
1: The consensus is right. they are moving forward, even probably with the heads that are being butted right. against. They're still saying no, no, no. Right. This is an issue.
0: Right, and, and I don't want to turn this this particular podcast into. A political discussion. Are you sure? I know. No, 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 no. I don't. I don't. And I think, you know, once we start doing the weekly. Because
1: I don't know if I've had enough coffee for that, Chris, to be honest. No, just And I
0: know you yeah. and I want, you know, maybe by the time this one launches that we'll have our weekly kind of news show. Sure. Just us talking politics and stuff about conservation and the, the stuff with that. We'll stick this to, because we do want to get to the river dolphins and, and the vaquitas.
1: Yes. But their, their behavior is amazing. It
0: is. It, so just quickly. You know, when the mil- US military sees it as a threat, I see it as, as resources get limited, humans are going to fight for it, right? That's, of course. that's a big thing. It's already happening. The second thing he, that really got me fired up, and this one is where I really spoke up, was he stated, the scientist stated that he didn't feel we had a moral obligation to, Ouch. to save endangered species. He says, I want to, personally, sure. I okay. want to, but he thinks as a species, we don't have a moral obligation. And that's what got me fired up because I was like, how do you, you know, and I used elephants, obviously, as my example. And I said, how do you reason with an animal that's taken 50 million years to evolve to where they are today and wipe them out in a hundred? Right. How do we not have as a moral obligation with our intelligence? Let's well, say we
1: claim intelligence and emotion mm-hmm. and all these, this, this greatness right. to not use that greatness and that intelligence to help animals. Right. And it's one thing to maybe not
0: help them, but we're destroying them. Right. It's our fault. It's Correct. our, it's not a natural. I mean, no, it's not I natural. guess his view is it is natural because we are part of the natural environment. Right, Cause we're we dominant. Mm-hmm. And my bottom line is, yeah, the earth's going to survive. Of the course. earth will survive. Yes. Mass. Ex, it's, it's survived five mass extinctions. It will survive the six. And when there's a seventh and an eighth and a ninth and something else will replace it. It's just, well, we survive as a species, homo sapiens. And I don't think we will well, and is that the we his- continue at this rate.
1: Right. And is that the history you want to leave behind? Exactly. When you're yeah. a conscious, cognitive uh-huh. being.
0: That, I don't, Anyways, I had to get that off my chest because I was so fired up about it. And I Good was, morning, listeners. I know. I was about to like, call you on the phone and say, tomorrow we're going to get I was like, no, just uh, hold off. Um, and then just deal with my kids last night. So busy. The... Vaquita and River Dolphins.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, Chris, what are we talking about today? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's an important issue. It, it is, is. It is. And that's what, we, you know, and, and this is the point of our podcast is to get people working together, develop this this community of learners that we like to to say in education and this community of activists.
1: And I think it's important for, we always talk about in, um, in academia, we need to, we always continue our education right. too. It right. doesn't stop one day, right. just when you graduate, it doesn't stop once you start teaching, it's it's always evolving and talks like this mm-hmm. help us stay fired up and stay right. sharp and um, keep us keep criti- fighting, yeah. fighting and, and thinking critical too. Because yeah. like, I, I, I guess the way that I, I always think about these things is like, wow, how could I sit down with that gentleman yeah. and get him to see Changes my point, yeah. or change his mind? Or maybe he'll change my mind. I don't know. But that's when – you, when, you know, when, you, when you're a critical thinker, it's, it's, uh, it can be fun.
0: It is. It is. It's challenging and... And frustrating. Yeah. It is frustrating because you're like, you want to strangle people. Not him. I mean, I love him. But certain people, you know, it was like, uh, anyways, politics. Okay. So the river dolphin, the faquita. Let's talk about cetaceans today.
1: Yes. This is a really cool group of um, aquatic mammals.
0: Mm-hmm. And you missed it. I said it said it correctly you did cetaceans. cetaceans it's a big word for me it the- is a
1: big word it is um but yeah so it's the whales dolphins and porpoises
0: right that's the, the group
1: but today we wanted to focus on the river dolphin
0: mm-hmm.
1: and mostly and then there's some freshwater species and then some that go both fresh and salt water right. but then the uh, vaquita is an oceanic
0: yeah, porpoise. Porpoise.
1: So a little bit of the yin and the yang today. Right,
0: and it's kind of, you know, because you and I, when we decided to do two, because I know we're trying to focus on one species and we've been talking about others that are related, but you were like, should we just focus on one dolphin or two or what whale? And like, you know, let's just do this. This is, and I think this gives us a good uh, comparison of not only marine mammals versus a freshwater mammal, which is completely unique. Correct. And then it gives us a difference between porpoises and dolphins. What's the difference there? So I think, I think this is a fun thing to talk about. It was fun to research.
1: And it was. And I think the underlying bottom line, though, is that both of these uh, groups of mammals are in peril.
0: Right. Yeah, very much so. And the vaquita, I think the reason we wanted to focus on that, and there's not a lot known about them. You know, We're going to cover as much as we can. But there's only 30 left. Right. So, again, a critical endangered species Soever highlighting. Let's repeat
1: that. There are only thirty three zero
0: left. Left. Yeah. That we know of. That it could be less than that. Could be more. But it's they're in a pretty concentrated area in the Gulf of California.
1: Well, and they're being highly watched. They've been um, trying to either increase numbers or not decrease numbers really critically for five years. And the Mexican. Uh, government has been working with international scientists mm-hmm. especially in the states and south america trying to figure out how to help these guys and implement. Really
0: applaud the mexican government too absolutely the, the oh steps they have taken they have really stepped oh in.
1: they 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 hit the ground running right. and hit it really hard and so kudos to them mm, and are, and are we're and are smart enough to see within one year you know within a Oh, one year they were losing this battle and so now they're now they're calling in all
0: the troops. Right, right. And it's a it's a global effort.
1: It's definitely a global right. effort to help save these guys. And right. so it's hopefully hopefully gonna be a feel good story and right, right. you in, know, in ten years end. from now. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the end.
0: The river dolphins are are just I think an amazing group to study too because you have river dolphins in the Amazon. Mm-hmm which is, you know, very remote region on earth mm-hmm. and they estimate there's maybe 13,000 population mm-hmm. which is, is is pretty big and healthy, you know, they're yeah, doing okay. Bad. They're doing okay. They're vulnerable, mm-hmm. but they're doing okay. Then you have the Indian or Ganges river dolphin which is not doing as well. No. Yeah, they're a little, they're classified as endangered. And there's about two to three thousand of them. And
1: they left. well, and there's lots of reasons for mm-hmm. that. But they live in a very populous. Very
0: India is like, I don't even know if it's surpassed China yet. But Indian population has, has has boomed over the last couple decades. Now the sad story of today, you know, play some sad music, which is very sad is the Chinese or Yangtze River Dolphin is classified as extinct.
1: Functionally extinct. Yes.
0: Or the Bali. I think it's the B-A-H-L-I. Mm-hmm. Uh, dolphin is extinct. The I did see a report earlier this year that they might have cited some of small pod in the very remote regions. But again, that hasn't been confirmed. So they pretty much assume that that they're extinct. So a, a species that that that's long, long gone. Now the vaquita...
1: Right, this is the ocean porpoise. Right.
0: The porpoise in the Gulf of California, what has knocked them down is they they weren't being purposely hunted or poached, but fishermen in the area using gill nets have caught these porpoises and they've drowned. So that is what really has decimated the population. And what the Mexican government has done is they first restricted Gill net use. Then they just outright banned it a couple of years
1: yeah, ago. They, yeah. They like, like I mentioned earlier, they really stepped up to the plate. Okay. They tried something as far as restricting it. Mm-hmm. That wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And quickly, they just, you know, put the hammer down and said, no, no more gill nuts. Mm-hmm. It's
0: illegal. But good old human beings. There has been a lot of poaching because the poachers are going after this fish called the Totoboa. Totoboa. Yeah. Totoboa. And their bladders can fetch $20,000 per bladder on the black market for Chinese herbal medicine. So here we go again. The So consequently, these fishermen are out there using gill nets to catch these fish, and the porpoises are still getting caught. Right, they're
1: the, kind out. of the byproduct.
0: Right. So that is why it's still a fight. It's, it's still a big fight uh, down that, that region of the world. So the river dolphins, what their pressures are, and I'm sure we'll get a little bit more into this, is obviously, is, is again, a similar theme. Habitat fragmentation, damming up rivers. So really the Yangtze River Dolphin, what drove them to extinction was dams.
1: Sure. So then, fragmenting their population, right. restricting it.
0: Where they couldn't go. Then, you you know, again, we talked about genetic diversity last episode. So you get less genetic diversity, less survival in the wild. Less feed, food sources. Mm-hmm. And then pollution. Pollution's been a big one. That, Sh- yeah. that is what wiped out a lot of them in China.
1: Well, and I think it brings to an interesting point of these river dolphins, um, especially ones that are... I mean, some of the freshwater systems Mm -hmm. is they're really indicators with the, as far as pollution goes of river health. Right. And so if their overall state of health is bad and not flourishing, it's also kind of trickle down downhill to other animal, uh, other
0: species, uh, other
1: fish species. And then the people that eat those, the locals that need those. And a lot of these communities, there's mining with mercury pollution Mm -hmm. And um, some organochlorides, right. and there's just there's different there's different things that they're uh, struggling against.
0: So the river ecosystems are really messed up.
1: Yes, and de- so, definitely in certain so parts. Let me go back to
0: my friendly scientist yesterday and say, Mike, look at this! Like, look <laughs> at this! Not only do we have this great garbage patch in the Pacific. <laughs> I wish the listeners could see your face. Oh, right oh now. my god! But it's <laughs> like, look at the rivers.
1: No, I know they're the health. They're of dying. The planet. They're it, dying. God,
0: it's so. It's amazing to me because it, I think it's it's just – it's not only selfish as a species, but it's very narrow-minded that I don't see how it's not going to have an effect on on homo sapiens. I just don't. Right. So, I'm scared for migration. It is. I mean, yeah. it,
1: it, it is having effect on it is. people it already.
0: Is. You're right. You're right. It is. It is. That's very, very true. So, you're right. So, that's a great bioindicator species. I mean, that was the next thing I was going to talk about. So, water quality is, is really – and quantity yes. is down. and. Climate change is having an effect, obviously. Mm -hmm. One of the things, and and maybe when we really get into another marine species, we'll talk a little bit about acidification, like the corals. That's what's really devastating coral reefs is the oceans getting more acidic. Right. As the planet warms up, as the ice shelves and all those things, fresh water gets more dumped in the ocean, blah, blah, blah. You get more acidification, so that's having a negative effect on that.
1: So, when you're in New Zealand, you're going to go see the, the Great Barrier Reef before it's gone. I know, or I it's was, already partially gone, yeah. Right? It's
0: already partially gone. And luckily, I dove the, the Barrier Reef like 15 years ago oh, when I was in Australia. Wow, but, cool! Yeah, I I'm, didn't gonna know go, that. I'm gonna go see the last little piece of it and yeah. take a picture. You know, it's yeah, it's really horrible that, that that's going on. One thing I think. We should kind of get early on too. Is what's the difference between a dolphin and a porpoise? We did this with frogs and toads. And learned a little toads bit. Toads pee on you. <laughs> so we know that. So if you, if you don't, haven't heard that episode, please go listen to that yeah. episode. The. Differences between dolphins and porpoises. So it was a little interesting to kind of do some research. I knew a little bit different.
1: I had no idea. Mm -hmm. I was just I didn't know if it was terminology or where they lived. Uh, So yeah, it was really interesting to find out that there really isn't a huge difference. No, no, not a lot. It's like basically you know animal dorks, and we're not not more (laughs) like is it? uh, Yeah, that is us. (laughs) But uh, like zoologists and Mm -hmm. the people the people that name. Different, right. um, species. The
0: different species, species
1: right. that have very, very fine um, categories of what right. separates a dolphin versus a porpoise. Right. So somebody with a trained eye might not necessarily even no, know right. visually by just looking at. Yeah, them. Yeah, one of the things
0: I, I was very surprised about porpoises. I, th- I thought they were as numerous as dolphins, and very there's only six species of porpoise. Oh, I didn't know that. And like okay. over 30 species of dolphins. Right. So oh. very few porpoises compared to dolphins. Porpoises, and, and we'll get this with the vaquita. Maybe when we get to the conservation efforts. Don't stay in captivity. Or there's been some research on them, couple captive populations, but they tend to die in captivity. They don't do well. They they get stressed very easily. The dolphins have longer beaks. Okay, so longer. So, you know, think of Flipper, which is I don't know if anybody knows who Flipper is anymore.
1: Wow, you just really dated yourself. I, right? it <laughs> was before
0: I was born was when Flipper, but it, you know reruns.
1: No, I <laughs> I, I saw it. in like two
0: thousands. I don't know Flipper. Yeah. So there was a dolphin. That's great. Long beaks. The dolphins have cone shaped teeth. So yeah, porpoises the- have like a small mouth. Mm-hmm.
1: I believe it's the teeth is one of the biggest Big things,
0: right? Biggest difference. So dolphins or porpoises have spade shaped teeth. the The fins, the dorsal fins, are a little bit different. Dolphins are skinnier.
1: Oh, I would uh, not have guessed yeah. that.
0: So porpoises are a little portly. Portly huh. porpoise. Okay, <laughs> so that's a good way <laughs> to remember that it. Times. Yeah. <laughs> and dolphins are more social. So I know you're excited to get to behavior so we will definitely get there. I think we picked two great species to kind of talk the difference between porpoises and dolphins. Sure. And then freshwater versus you know the the marine mammals.
1: Yeah, well in the physiology dork and me was having a lot of fun researching right. like how can they in, how can they survive in salt water and in, and or freshwater right. and what is the differences. So
0: it's pretty Yeah, it's almost like the bull shark the one shark I don't like oh. <laughs> I'm scared to death of bull sharks <laughs> like great whites yeah if I saw a great white I would just die of a heart attack right there sure. and there you know I always wonder because I grew up on the beaches of California yeah. I always wonder how many did how, you surf yeah and I'm okay. and I'm wondering how close I came to a great white in my life that I didn't know about yeah. you know um
1: don't but you have to remember it's more scared of you than you I know are I know
0: and I'm not scared of sharks like I you know the the, the data I just read something yesterday like the data United States has more shark attacks than anywhere else on Earth, but the death rate's like 0.6 people. Yeah,
1: I think you're way more likely to die from a kick of a cow or, yeah. or bite from a dog. Or beasting or, or yeah.
0: something. Yeah. so I mean, sh- But bull sharks are just... They're just, yeah, because they go up rivers. So I'm like, oh, you know, I'm swimming and all of a sudden I see a dorsal fin. I'm going to die.
1: And so, but it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the ability to go from the fresh water to the salt mm. or salt to fresh, uh, a lot of it has to do with how they process the salt in their kidneys.
0: Right. I think so. And think
1: the so. differences in their kidneys and right. being able to, to deal with that right. um, high salinity basis.
0: Now I will say I am a child of the seventies. So Jaws has... Ruined me for sure. <laughs> I know Jaws. Has I'm done the same more over harm.
1: here. Yeah. Yes, Jaws. I actually did a, a senior thesis in college yeah. on the. Basically, the, the negative impacts the jaws, has, jaws had. has had on you know on sharks. pop media or whatnot yeah. on sharks. Yeah,
0: yeah. but I, I think Shark Week's been awesome, like dispelling some of that. I, I think stuff. in the
1: past twenty years, there's been a lot a, a bigger push to educate people. Right. Or I, I use uh, shark tracker and I, right. follow, I follow Mary. Yeah, and her, you know, she uh, the whatnot.
0: one that the great white that's like off mm-hmm. Florida. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, she's coming. to She the goes
1: world. from Fort Florida to New England. Right, right.
0: Yeah, yeah, she's great. So yeah, sharks are awesome. I mean, yeah. anyways, yeah, bull sharks all in the one. The uh, vaquita is in the Gulf of California at the tip of so really the the tip of the Baja Peninsula and in, in Mexico proper. So that was their habitat. Mm-hmm. They didn't really go outside of that. Okay. They didn't go out to the the, the great big waters. Pacific Ocean, right? Yeah, and they they really stay in shallow water. This part of the the gulf is is pretty shallow. So they don't they don't go into anything really deep. The river dolphins kind of switching gears going from ocean to river wide huge range especially in Amazon so they pretty much cover the entire Amazon river up all the tributaries lots of tributaries that's I mean it's a really cool species
1: one well, of you think about it from an evolutionary point which I know you're dying to get into evolution yeah, I there i know. <laughs> I'm there but uh it's really interesting that most likely the oceanic dolphins went into the rivers mm-hmm. f- to find new sources and then you know that evolved food, right. to live there and do well there to find new food and get rid of the ocean competition. Right, right. And they probably for, you know, ten, you pro- you know the numbers, but probably for tens of thousands of years yeah. they did great. Yeah. And then now in they're a not, matter of 100 years with the great. Industrial Revolution yeah. and, te- not, you know, the technological revolution that they're not doing great. Right. And they have nowhere to go. I mean, right. that's, I mean at least in the ocean I feel like they've seen behavioral patterns with a lot of the marine mammals where they kind of can move.
0: Or try to evade, evade humans. Uh, yeah. yeah,
1: evade humans and whatnot. But th- there's just not enough space in these rivers. And now, right. like you said, we're damming them up.
0: Right, right. Yeah, and it's, you know, the ones in South America, they're, there's a really cool population, too, that is above a waterfall. So there's a waterfall barrier. Oh, okay. So how many thousands of years has that species been... Isolated, so mm-hmm. it's its own separate species. Mm-hmm. It doesn't differ a lot physiology, but genetically it does. And they've been isolated above this waterfall in the Amazon. And I think you're right that you know they depend on the health of these rivers and these, mm-hmm. this ecosystem. The other river dolphins in mainly India. So the Ganges River, the Indies River. There's some some river dolphins again. Ones that either go brackish water, which brackish water is both con- a mixture. A mixture is that freshwater. You know, bleeds into the ocean, mm-hmm. does that. And then, obviously, the Yangtze River dolphin was in China, but is no longer in existence. All right. Okay. Evolution. I Here see, we go. I see that smile on your face. <laughs> so it was cool, though. It was like, it's... Inter- like I, I have I, to admit,
1: yeah. I didn't dive too much into evolution because I know that that's your baby. Um, but the little bit that I did dive yeah. into, I, I knew there was a reason that my childhood fantasy was to work with dolphins yeah. Who wasn't you know yeah. who didn't want to either be a dolphin trainer right, right. or uh, um, a marine biologist right, right. and study these guys uh, and then of, of course I ended up going more towards hoofstock, un- right. hoofstock ungulates um, horses zebras things with hoofs and horns and whatnot but looking at the evolution of the dolphins it seems that it- I might just like that family in general. More,
0: yeah, it's yeah, I know, and I wonder why because you <laughs> texted me. You're like, oh my god, did you know dolphins were related to to hippos, and hippos like, yes, and cows and goats? I was like, I'm like, oh, I was saving that to surprise you.
1: Well, and of course, you know, I tell this to my husband. He's like, oh, I knew that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. He's he's a he's a, he's a smart dwarf. dude. He's a greater dork than we are. Yeah, for sure. Uh, in, in a good way. In a good yeah. way, we love John. The the cetacean evolution, you know, mm-hmm. there's not a lot known specifically, you know, looking into this. It's it's difficult to study because again, the marine mammals, a lot of their bones and stuff are in deep ocean, so yeah. you're not going to find them unlike the, the land, right? But they do find them on beaches and mm-hmm. some parts of where we used to be underwater, like say here in Florida. Mm-hmm. We used to be underwater a long time ago. The so they've done some a lot of stuff of, I, I would say specifically. The porpoises are more related to narwhals and belugas, okay. which kind of makes sense, right? Yeah. They're kind of, you know, those colder. And and then, obviously, oceanic oceanic dolphins. Right. So they're, they're pretty related. You really got to kind of go out 15, 10, 15 million years ago where the river dolphins split off. And then they're kind of Wow, was own. that long ago? Yeah. So about 10, 15 million years ago as, as the oceans receded uh, off the landmass. Now, if we go way back where this all began, again, that big, huge, after the the fifth mass mass extinction, pretty similar, 45, 50 million years ago, big explosion. And basically, you said, an ungulate, a two-toed, so our cows, our camels, those types of animals, giraffes, one of them decided to just go swimming one day and said, (laughs) hey, this looks fun. And they went in the water. And they liked it. And they liked it. And they stayed. And they were successful there. Yes, and they... So over 50 well, million years. Well, or
1: if you think of like a hippo, a hippo yeah. kind of is... In between. Right. Semi-aquatic. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's a mammal, right? So mm-hmm. it's a mammal that, mm-hmm. that likes land, that comes out of land, but basically spends most of their life in water. Mm-hmm. And that's where they want to be. This all happened in Asia around India. So that's kind of where these guys arose. Okay. So the cetaceans, long time ago. And again, the reason we can link it back to these even-toed ungulates... DNA, you know, our favorite thing, DNA tells a story. Maternal mitochondria. Yeah. That's, that's what we've done. Now
1: let's fast forward to today. The local people are wanting to help save these guys uh, for the most part and want, are doing a lot of ecotourism Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and learning that they can, you know, that's a good way for them to generate income, Mm -hmm. but then also to help save these species. Mm -hmm. But with that being said, there was a recent op-ed piece out of New York Times that has some kind of a title along the lines of you know going to the Amazon if you go to the Amazon, don't punch a dolphin a right. dolphin right and basically the brief the brief history of that goes into the kind of conflict of ecotourism interacting too much with the wildlife right, right. and these tour guides offering you know for extra tips you can you know feed the dolphins or maybe touch them or ride mm-hmm. them and things like that, which
0: it's almost like here in Florida too, with the manatees. It's sure. A big deal. That mm-hmm. You cannot touch the manatees. And we do have, you know, 45 minutes away, crystal river. Where have we you live, gone? I, I, I've we, gone. We've paddled awesome. by them. Okay. And actually saw, uh, a cow and a calf like swim cool. by us. Cool. Yeah,
1: we did the snorkeling, but absolutely no touching. No
0: touching. Yeah, you just kind of float around. Mm-hmm. And, and
1: they only allow a certain amount of people in um, per day, the time, and they right. only allow, allow a certain amount of licensed operators that mm-hmm. are. I mean, you have to watch a video. Mm-hmm. They're uh, let alone pay a lot of money. Right. Um, they're pretty serious about it, and that just goes to show that uh, we have a lot of re- more regulations and probably have been doing the ecotourism mm-hmm. thing maybe for, longer. Longer, right. you know, and so. I think it's one of these things I, I, you know, I have full belief that this was probably, you know, there's rare incidents of people exploiting animals. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that if you are ever a tourist on a, you know, in a foreign country or even here in the United States, mm-hmm. you know, respect the rules, respect right. the wildlife. And the, the journalist that was writing this piece said that, you know, her favorite part of her Amazonian tour was actually just being in a canoe mm-hmm. and paddling down it with a, with a tour guide, right. like not, touch, in not nature, feeding right. the animals because... Once again, if we feed the – feeding these dolphins, then they become dependent on that mm-hmm. food and it, uh, it's a whole trickle-down effect of other problems right. of a lot of unna- – they've noticed a lot of unnatural behaviors mm-hmm. with these dolphins as far as aggression and things, mm-hmm. which normally they're extremely social animals mm-hmm. except for maybe during breeding. So I think you know, our future with them is that we – as far as with ecotourism is we want to keep working with them, mm-hmm. but we got to make sure that we're not exploiting them right. too
0: these both these species are it's amazing to you know and and i guess this is what's fun about i guess doing this podcast is we get to learn more and and diversify because i I, in the last few episodes we talked about you know how much you and i love land i feel
1: like a little kid again i'm learning so much i mean not to say that i'm not learning anything in my phd but it's a very strict narrow focus focus
0: right this is we're really broadening and you know, thinking about like you said, being a being a kid, like oh, I want to be a dolphin trainer, a marine biologist, because I was at, you know, grew up near Scripps Institute oh, in La Jolla,
1: very famous place, right?
0: And it's like, oh, the oceans are amazing, and I want to study the oceans, and then oh, the zoo zoology is amazing, I want to go study animals in the wild, and oh, I love medicine, animal medicine, and I want to study this. So at least we get to do a yeah, little bit of this and, exactly and spread the knowledge, you right. know, to to other uh, animal lovers out there. The life cycle of these species are, are is pretty interesting. The vaquita, again, we don't know a ton of them because... Sure,
1: they're only in the wild and mm, there's not many of them left. Right,
0: But they do estimate they can live to maybe 20, 25 years in, in, in the wild. Some porpoise species live like 12, 13 years. Oh, not very long. Yeah, not okay. very long. You, you would think longer because you hear about whales like... I think they have found a whale with, like, a harpoon from, like, the 1800s. Wow. Still stuck in them.
1: Wow. Or you think of turtles. Right. hundred and something years
0: that Mm -hmm. it was pretty, pretty old. River dolphins, again, the data isn't clear, but they think Amazon ones roughly 15 years, even though they've had some in captivity that can live to be 30. Okay. And then the data I saw on the ganges. Or the Chinese river dolphins was about 25 to, to 30 years that they okay. that they lived. So, you know, pretty good lives. Long lives. Now, the physical differences is easy to look at. Mm-hmm. And that's easy to uh, talk about. Now, the vaquita, what's really cool about them is... And I even saw, read a paper that talked about them being like small children. They're just small. They're right. very small.
1: Well, and that's why I think they get caught in the gill nuts of mm. these... Uh, fish. The, of the
0: fish. Right. And they can get as long as 5 feet but only weigh about 120 pounds okay. so about you but you're, you are you're very taller, flattering. <laughs> yeah, yes, you're that taller is. More than exact... five feet, though. <laughs> Whatever. I was just listening to 120. <laughs> 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 55 kilograms, AG. Uh,
1: now th- the... This is why I work with him, folks. Yeah, yeah. He says on just... air that I weigh 120 pounds. I
0: always have what uh, a carrot nice in front of my grad students' yeah. faces to, to get them to graduate. <laughs> now, l- now por- other porpoises are bigger. They're about sure. my height, six and a half feet, or I'm 6'5. So, okay, kind of what we think of a dolphin right, size. Right, two meters long, and then they can weigh like double the weight, like 265, which I don't weigh that much but um, 118 kilograms. The vaquita has dark rings around its eyes. So they're really cool looking. And again, we'll put pictures on the show notes. They're cute. They are very cute. They're, they're really cool. What I love about ocean animals too is, you know, sharks and, and penguins. I Mm -hmm. guess penguins are a good one to look at. And same thing with the the vaquita is their tops are dark. Mm -hmm. Their bottoms are light Mm -hmm. underside. And so really that's, a strat- they've evolved to have these because prey, when they look up, you know, and the bright uh, light and stuff of the ocean, they can't see a predator. Or when they look down, it's dark mm-hmm. and they can't see a predator. So it's kind of cool. You see a lot of these species, even birds. Evolution is just pretty genius. It is. It is. It's, it's, so it's cool. really cool. So they are, they, and they have like a lighter gray uh, side. Now the river dolphins. I'm going to sing the song. U G L Y. (laughs) No alibi. They're ugly. They are so hideous looking.
1: (laughs) I mean, I think you're not looking at them with the same light that I am. (laughs) They're they have pink in color. Maybe I'm not even a girly girl, so I'm not usually blinded by pink things. But it's so unique in their color, pinkish gray. They're
0: very unique. They're very unique. And
1: I think that's really beautiful, especially the Amazon is, or a lot of the rivers in the Amazon are, you know, brown, dark brown in color. So here's this, this beautiful, you know, pink highlights coming through the water. I shouldn't call
0: any animal ugly because I love them all, but.
1: Yeah, and I have to, I, I have to, um, I am, of course, biased. We're all right. biased. Uh, I had the the great chance to see one in the wild, yeah. And I was—I didn't feed it, and I wasn't close to it. Um, it you it just kind of like surfaced and mm-hmm. did not even a jump, more of just a like probably yeah, a yeah. breach. And but to see that color, you know, we're out there looking for other things too. Mm-hmm. But to see that was just—it's one of those moments. Yeah, like, anybody wow. who's been, yeah, like yeah. whale watching or dolphin mm-hmm. watch watching and.
0: There's the cool thing about them is they're ancient. So if you want to know what like an ancient animal looks like, this is one that you can point to and say, this is what ancient mammals looked like. Mm -hmm. Because again, like scientists have said, this is an unnatural species. They shouldn't be here, but they are. You're right. The, The Amazon ones are pink and that's due to their skin. When they're young, they're dark gray. Mm-hmm. Then they get lighter as they age, and then the adults are pink. And they think that the in the Amazon's because of constant abrasions,
1: so ah, they lose okay. some of
0: those top layers of skin.
1: Interesting. So
0: that's why they're more pink. Don't see that coloration as much in the Ganges mm-hmm. uh, and the, the Asian the species. Right, you don't see that as much. They're a little pink, but not not as much as the Amazon. The Amazon pink river dolphins, also called the boto, which I think you yeah. you talked about, they're pig eyed. So that's why I think they're kind of obscure. <laughs> they have these really tiny eyes,
1: right? And uh, which they really
0: don't need it, right?
1: Right, they don't. I mean, they're they're not blind, but they have really poor vision. Right,
0: right. So it's like, which
1: I mean, they don't need much vision because the water's so murky anyway. Right. So
0: it's not like they're really seeing. So they didn't involve mm-hmm. these large eyes that mm-hmm. to to see because they don't need it. They really echolocate and do other things now. What's also interesting is the males are bigger than the females, which yeah. I read was rare in cetaceans.
1: It is sexual dimorphism. Right. And that's, you know, looking at the sexes next to each other, you can tell them apart. Males are bigger. Females are smaller. Right. And yeah, in a lot of the other citations, we don't see that.
0: Right. Yeah. So it's crazy. Idea. Now, what's also really cool about these guys is their, their fins are more like paddles mm-hmm. compared to other dolphins. And they really are flexible. Because their vertebrae aren't as fixed.
1: Yeah, their necks—they can—they right. can move their necks a lot more, more. left and right. Right, they-
0: and they can turn in tighter circles. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the dolphins or porpoises in the, in the ocean, their vertebrae are fixed, where mm-hmm. they—they're not as flexible. But these river dolphins really can move and bend around. Just as you think about—you know—it's such a tighter environment.
1: Sure, and it's when the fl- and when the rivers flood and they're probably going mm-hmm. into the floodplains where mm-hmm. there's trees and stuff, they have to bend around.
0: Right, and use that long snout. Uh, to find food. The, again, the, the ganges, not a lot of difference. They're a little bit smaller. Their beaks, you know, I guess both beaks are kind of long and toothy is, is how you would uh, do that. And not not a whole big difference in their physiology.
1: Right. So, Chris, that kind of ties nicely into the next segment of river dolphin behavior. Mm-hmm. And we touched on the fact that they have poor vision. And they, like you said, they rely on echolocation or a sonar system to maneuver, but they do have a really well-developed hearing for both air and water, Oh yeah, which yeah. is, you know, pretty incredible. Cause I know like when I go underwater, I can barely hear. And interestingly enough, the, um, the one, the Asian river dolphins, some of them tend to swim on their side hmm. uh, with a flipper dragging along the bottom. Wow. And of course, researchers don't know a lot about these guys, uh, but they think that it might help them hunt and then also help them, you know, maneuver and not bump into things Mm -hmm. because they'll, of course, dolphins and porpoises breathe air, they're mammals, Mm -hmm. so they have to surface and get air. And so they go back to their normal, Mm -hmm. the normal way that we think about them mm -hmm, swimming to get the air, but then they come back down to their side and drag that side flipper. So once again, just different evolutionary behaviors mm-hmm. to help them navigate their environment. Right, right. And they can, you know, they don't move as quick as dolphins and porpoises. They one of the Asian species has been recorded traveling about fourteen miles per mm-hmm. hour, or about how many kilometers? Oh geez. don't
0: even. <laughs> it's
1: too early. I'll just yeah, give you the answer. Yeah. <laughs> about twenty-three bit, kilometers yeah. per it's hour. Like it, but... So uh but I think what should really be highlighted, which I'm super excited to talk about. And the dolphin behavior Mm -hmm. section of this podcast is just in general, uh, a little bit about dolphin and porpoise intelligence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like we said earlier, with both the vaquita and the river dolphin, especially the vaquita, there's not a lot we know because they haven't really been studied. And let's hopefully they live long enough so we can learn that they're very intelligent or learn more about them. And the river dolphin's been a little bit more studied. In fact, uh, one of the Asian species has been compared to the intelligence of a gorilla.
0: Right. Right. And so, so they're up there with primates.
1: Oh yeah! In yeah. fact, there's um, some scientists out there, and there's actually a recent conference of the American Association of Advancement of Science, mm-hmm. held by the publisher of Science, mm-hmm. which science Chris spectrum. and I know would be an amazing, you know, place to to uh, publish our work. Publish right. our work. Right. It's it's the creme de la creme in science. But anyways, these guys all and girls all get together, and one of the topics was actually about are dolphins the smartest people, mm-hmm. and if they are. Perhaps we should be treating them a little bit better. Right. So, a, yeah. you know, maybe the scientist that you were speaking at or of earlier in the podcast that said we didn't have a moral obligation to save species from this mass extinction, he probably would have benefited from, you know, going to this conference right. and hearing what these other scientists were saying that they're probably the Earth's second smartest creature. Right. We don't have as much data of them as we do about uh, perhaps like great apes and and whatnot because they're a little harder to study. They're Mm -hmm. harder to keep in captivity and whatnot. But what we do know is a lot from like the bottlenose dolphin. Mm -hmm. That's flipper. That's the typical Mm -hmm. one that we all think of. But that they have – their brains actually bigger than ours and they have a brain to body weight ratio um, of great apes. But a little bit smaller than mm-hmm. humans. Mm-hmm. So one scientist said that they're the second most encephalized being on the planet. Right. So biggest brain for body, and you know they've been reported to recognize themselves in a mirror mm-hmm. or self-awareness. They can understand complex gestures and or sentences mm-hmm. from humans during training. They can learn to poke a keyboard underwater <laughs> to request toys, oh, which I have a. Um, <laughs> Fourteen month that hole right. at home and Zachary and that's the level he's at right he's now. At right now, and yeah. so I mean, if you if you really if you really sit and you know sit and think, think on that one it, right. for a minute, that these are these animals are thinking, feeling, mm-hmm. and that, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're more worthy of being saved than let's just say a you know a turtle or something. Right, right. And so their intelligence, as far as what we know is self awareness, and um, some scientists have described them as rational mm-hmm. as far as their decision making. But we can even just look to their social structure too and see that it's also very advanced, which is, can be a sign of intelligence. Mm-hmm. For instance, females have been, females in a pod you, are usually t- spotted together and they've been a- seen assisting with birth. And then also um females can be babysitters and right. helping rear the dolphins. Right. And one of the best ways a female dolphin can learn how to take care of a calf is to be in that setting. Right. And now on the flip side of it, the males become pair bonded. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is a really cool story that was just reported mm-hmm. I don't know a few months ago. So males pair bonded, they live in their own pods. There was a study of them off the coast of Australia, and I think of regular dolphins. Mm-hmm. But that one pod colluded with another pod, hmm. okay, different, right, non, right. non-related pod, to invade and or attack a third pod hmm. in order to steal food resources and um, and females for wow. breeding. Wow. Yeah. And this has only been reported in um, chimpanzees right. as far as exhibiting, quote unquote, um, I hate to use the word warfare, right. but as far as... Um, that kind of collusion, that kind of
0: deep thinking
1: that right forward, species. right. Yeah. Forward thinking, right. plotting, strategizing, strategizing. Yeah. So, and this is, you know, once again, wow. this was just recently reported. Right. And so, because we're getting a little bit better with technologies mm-hmm. as far as radio calling and, track and, them, yeah. and tracking and understanding their behavior. And so I think, if we have the ability to keep studying these guys, I think we're just, they're just going to keep blowing our mind. They might take us over.
0: Yeah. (laughs) We could only be so lucky. You know, it's like, you know, if anybody gets anything out of this podcast, it's animals aren't just stupid, Mm -hmm. instinctual animals. No.
1: And you know, not at all.
0: Complex brain function.
1: Right. And so, you know, now, so switching gears and now looking at like the mother calf relationship. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm obviously biased. I'm a mom, but they, uh, you know, the mothers, their mothering, they, they help teach, the babies have to learn how to echolocate. Mm-hmm. They're not just necessarily born with it. Mm-hmm. So they learn this from the the mother. And so not only the mother, but the other females in the pod will help kind of steer the baby out of trouble mm-hmm. until it gets better with echolocating. And they'll also, um, each female, this is great, Chris. Mm-hmm. It's been documented that females have different mothering styles. Hmm. Okay. Some are very protective. Yeah. While some are more relaxed and letting their calves explore, which is just hilarious to me, or not hilarious, but it's so, I can relate so much to this in the mothering community because I'm on all these mom Mom face, yeah, yeah, these mom social Facebook groups and whatnot. And there's, you know, there's the helicopter mom and the, and the tiger mom and and the the bear mom, all these, you know, all these goofy titles, but. It goes to show that there's some independent thinking there, or they're learning from their own mom, or maybe they're more experienced. So you know, by the time you get a second and third kid, you just like love whatever. It, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think it's really fascinating to show you know that they're they're not they're not stupid. They're right. they're they're thinking beings, and they're planning and they're strategizing on how you know to quote unquote be a good mom.
0: Right. Right. And um, now, and it's just. Yeah, I mean, the animal world and the behavior. I know that's your your jam, right? Mm-hmm. Evolution and genetics and stuff like that. But for you, when you talk behavior, you just light up. And when you look at these other species and you learn on how their social bonds and and even an aquatic species is mm-hmm. very, very difficult to study. And you find this stuff out. It just blows you away. Right. Because 100 years ago... You know, you go in and ask scientists, and you know, even go back to say Darwin in the eighteen hundreds. You know, animals are dumb. Right. Animals are here for our use. Animals are just they're pretty to look at and for us to use and eat. They don't think because they don't build time. Not time machines. Mm-hmm. They don't build flying machines. And you know, uh, it would like be cool if yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even if we built a time machine, right? Um, but you know, they haven't been to the moon or right. anything like that. And, and
1: well, and I think yeah. you know just. On their behalf, too, is – so river dolphins – getting back a little bit to river dolphins, um, they use a series of clicks and pulses Mm -hmm. to to vocalize, Mm -hmm. to communicate with each other. And the scientists are in the process, not with river dolphins, but with bottlenose Mm -hmm. dolphins, of trying to kind of – Decipher? Yeah, decipher. Yeah. There's a debate, you know, do they have a language or don't they? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And some scientists say they do have a language and some say, oh, by our technical definitions, they don't. Right. And They don't form sentences. But they, they definitely use their different clicks and their different calls to communicate, me- to, communicate communicate to right. mean potentially different things. And then interestingly enough, different pods mm-hmm. have different vocalizations.
0: It's almost dialects. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm.
1: then different individuals have mm-hmm. different ones that evolve through their lifetime.
0: Here you go. Here's a cool study. Why don't we record the Amazon river dolphin t- speech, mm-hmm. take it over to India and play it and see what happens. Yeah.
1: See if they understand
0: yeah. it so or cool how they, study. if they yeah. react to it. Yeah. Um, it'd be a cool study. Yeah. Right. Like, and, what language is this?
1: Yeah. And so I think it's, there's just so much, I mean, there's just so much we have to learn. Right. I think that'll help kind of settle the debate too, of how intelligent these, right. these animals are. And so with these clicks and these other vocalization or whistles, they're called, mm-hmm, they also have a lot of non-vocal communications too. So they do things like tail slaps, right. flipper slaps, blowhole noises, bubbles, which I think is just yeah. that visual is super cute. Jaw claps and breaches as, as other ways to
0: communicate to communicate
1: right. with their their buddies. And if you'll bear with me here, just because it's kind of my new fun thing that yeah. I love to do. No, I love it. <laughs> um, this is a sound of a bottlenose dolphin above the water okay. right cuz remember they're going to have some above water communication okay. like if you think of flipper mm-hmm. ee, or whatever mm-hmm. and then they're going to have under, under, the underwater. underwater so this is an above um an above vocalization and then now you can <laughs> I won't stop and now in contrast this is going to be maybe a little bit muddied because it's underwater sounds But this is a dolphin click and whistle, so you can hear the clicks. They're almost like
0: it's all Morse code. Morse
1: code. And there are some of
0: the, the high, the whistle. S O S, send more fish. S O S, send more fish.
1: <laughs> so they're, they definitely have a lot of things to say, and they definitely communicate with each other. I think it's more just going to be over time us learning exactly what that means.
0: Right, right, and kind of deciphering them. The, you know, then just quickly kind of going into echolocation and how that is used. It's really cool to to read about their sonar, and that's what mm-hmm. basically they're doing is they send out these the, those noises. Mm-hmm. And then they bounce back. So they have their biology through their nose and their, that la- large bulbous forehead, right? They right there's send a
1: specialized up, organ in there, right? right?
0: So they send out the clicks and then it comes back and they feel it in their jaws. Mm-hmm. And then that helps them echolocate mm-hmm. and find fish and things that they want to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Whales do this, right? Whales do that for hunting. Now, look, just looking at dietary, I mean, pretty sim- simple with the diets of the vaquitas. In the marine environment, eating fish, some crustaceans, octopus, and then squid. Squid's a big thing in, okay. in the Gulf of California.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And interesting, they eat about 10% of their body weight per day. So about 10 to 15 pounds, depending okay. on how big it is, which is which is a lot. Seafood, yeah. Same thing as river dolphins eat about that per day. But being that they're in rivers, you know, they're more isolated to fish some crabs. The
1: catfish, right. I read
0: about. And they even, even seen them eating small turtles. Wow. So they, they could eat that. And I bet you they eat some other things that we've never seen before. Maybe like eat some of those snakes down there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They train them for that.
0: Um, So again, what was interesting too is they have little hairs on their beaks.
1: Right. And that's one of the things that help uh, all mammals have to have hair. Right. Right. That's one of the classification things. And so, yeah, a lot of them are born with whiskers and they fall off, Mm -hmm. but the river dolphins keep them.
0: Keep them right. To help them feel, feel Mm -hmm. the river bottoms and feeling for those fish and, and crabs and stuff. So another thing kind of that, that goes back to their intelligence is they're cooperative hunters. Right. So they hunt as a pod ah, mm-hmm. and again, planning, strategizing. Hey, you're here. Right. Right. And that kind of reminds me of like seeing those videos of say killer whales that breach themselves on mm-hmm. beaches. I remember some of the, I think it's down in Argentina where they filmed a lot of this or Chile. And the mom was showing the baby how to hunt mm-hmm. and how, what channels she uses. And yeah, I mean, it's just, they're so smart. Mm-hmm. They're so smart. So doing some of that. Yeah. So basically, I mean, diet's pretty easy. You right. Know, they, they eat fish, which you would think. Right. They're right? carnivores. Yeah. And other, other things in the ocean.
1: Mm-hmm. Or pesca- pescatarians or yeah, pescivores. <laughs> whatever.
0: Yeah. So how do they, how do they make more baby dolphins?
1: Oh, well, this is very interesting. Well, first of all, they can't make baby dolphins. Males usually become about sexually mature between eight to twelve years.
0: Wow, that's a long time. So,
1: when we talk about life cycles mm-hmm. and also um, increasing sustainable populations, they only give birth to one calf at a time. Mm-hmm. So, and then if they're not, be- and if that calf doesn't become sexually mature. About eight to twelve in a male, and about five to ten in a female. It's a long so it's interval. a while. Yeah, it's, it's, a it's, a, it's a long interval. It's right. a long interval before they can turn around and be reproductive again. Right, right.
0: Mm-hmm. So and that's a good that's a good segue into conservation with the vaquita because mm-hmm. that's really what we wanted to talk about yes. today, and that's what kind of spurred this whole podcast. Mm-hmm. There are thirty left. Yes, very controversial right now what's going on with them because two few aspects. Uh, one is. Being that it's we can't keep porpoises in captivity, which has been very difficult. It's just
1: been yeah, it hasn't been as successful right. as and then, the dolphins.
0: So that's been a worry. So uh, I've read some quotes and some papers talking about don't mess with them. Mm-hmm. Just just keep doing what the Mexican government's doing and hope they survive. So there's some views there. Like I said, debate and science, and that's what we kind mm-hmm. of opened with debate and science.
1: Well I and mean, Chris, that's what they that's what they had been doing right. for the past five years. And but it just, still hasn't
0: helped. And I mean, it hasn't still, helped. Yeah. The
1: population is basically in the in from what they can tell, the right. counts in um two, 2016 alone um were cut in half. So right. there was about sixty, now there's about thirty. Right. Basically earlier this year in two thousand seventeen, the Mexican government, bless their hearts, um, working you know with international mm-hmm. groups, said, you know, we've got to do
0: something. Right.
1: And we gotta do something drastic, and we don't know if it's the right answer, but we know what we've been doing the last five years hasn't worked. Has not worked.
0: So that's a good answer, yeah. So that's good. That's good. And
1: uh, so what they've done is there's um, currently a proposal for a captive breeding program, Mm -hmm. which we know it's hard to keep porpoises in captivity, but a lot of our um, our uh, nationally recognized aquariums have scientists studying Mm -hmm. these things, and and they've gotten much better at it. So right now the goal is to. Keep some in the wild, but also to um, to capture mm-hmm. some and move them to a captive setting where they can be uh, safe. Right. And interestingly enough, there's a proposal right now. This hasn't been done yet, but there's a proposal to use actually trained yeah. U.S. Navy dolphins yeah, to, to, to locate them. them. Right. And then, of course, the ones that are kept in the wild would be, you know, uh, monitored via like um, satellite tag mm-hmm. locators mm-hmm. and whatnot. Uh, and they're really interesting thing you know not only is not only is the the mexican government and international kind of uh, marine
0: mm-hmm.
1: mammal community behind this but i uh, i fell in love with one of my old crushes uh, leonardo dicaprio <laughs> Is Alt a big crutches.
0: yeah. Or does, sorry. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah.
1: hey, conservation crushes are okay in our family because he does a lot of good work. He does stuff for rhinos. Yeah, he does yeah. stuff for the environment right, and right. Africa he does. and he water. does. He does. I mean, he's a, we
0: need more he's, of that.
1: Exactly. You're, if you're a celebrity, hey, all you celebrities out there, use it. If you, yeah, whether you're an athlete or a singer yeah. or an actor, people worship you. Show them how to give back right. to your community, right. and I would encourage you to be passionate about animals and yeah. wildlife. But if you're not, be passionate about another good cause. Right, There's tons right, of them out right, there, right? Right, right? And get people excited. Get you know, get people off the couch and off the off the social media right. and and doing stuff. Anyways, that's my high horse for the yeah. minute. So Leonardo DiCaprio, that little cute guy, is um is is also backing this. But the biggest backer of them all is the uh, Association of Zoos and Aquariums, AZA, yeah. Aza, and they have so far pledged. Uh, our so far, has donated over a million. I think it's right. up to like $1.2 million right. to helping to conserve this species and working with the Mexican government, addressing the conservation right. challenges. And then also, they're going to help be this call to action and do whatever the Mexican government right. wants them to do as far as taking in um, some, yeah, of, some of these vaquitas to hopefully, hopefully saving their and population. part of my argument,
0: too... On why we should do this. And and when we say captive environment, they're going to be in large pens in the Gulf. Correct. So they're not going into a tank. No. In inland. No, no, no. They're using
1: research-based ways to help
0: try to figure out the best way. It's not wild, but they're in pens that are there to protect them. Mm -hmm. And And the
1: other thing, I think the other reason a lot of um, probably the Mexican government was, of course, partnering with AZA is AZA has a history of doing this with other species Mm -hmm. in peril the California Condor, mm-hmm. the Gold Lion tamarind out of Brazil, the mm-hmm. Black-footed Ferret mm-hmm. in Montana. So they have the expertise, and is it going to be perfect? No. Yeah. But if we go another year – Without doing anything, there's uh, going to be there's going to be ten, yeah, and, then still and then they're and then they're going to be in the same fish, yeah. you know within two years they're going to be in the same plight as northern
0: whites Moribas. exactly. Yeah.
1: So I applaud AZA yeah. and yeah. Um, and that kind of leads into the one of my conservation organizations of the week. Right. If you have interest in helping the vaquita out, you can go to let's see uh, aza dot org slash safe. That's S A F E vaquita conservation safe stands for saving animals from extinction and there you can you can obviously become a member and uh, you could donate money or even just like i said even just becoming a member you can get newsletters and learn more about what they're doing they're very transparent with their action plans Mm -hmm. and so you can see uh, i last i heard they were working on um, starting this in the fall of of 2017. Mm-hmm. So right now, right now. They're so hopefully, hopefully they're out there on boats right now with Looking their train the, with, the how cool is that? With their trained, you know, Navy the dolphins,
0: dolphins
1: yeah. and, um, and helping these vaquitas out. And that's yeah. just a cool, cool, feel good story.
0: Yeah. Like, they, and, and we'll put this in the show notes too. the links mm-hmm. of, of all these. Yeah. Organizations, and my,
1: so. my second organization of the week goes back to the, the, uh, river dolphin, right. which we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier, to, uh, in this episode. And a really cool organization for that is called the US Whale Organization. You can go to us.whales.org/riverdolphins. Mm-hmm. And there you can actually adopt a river dolphin mm-hmm, or donate. And this is a really cool group that works with a lot of NGOs, so non-governmental groups in South America especially mm-hmm. for the river dolphins and they hold workshops and they're working to stop illegal hunting, mm-hmm. which we mentioned. Mm-hmm. And they also do a lot of on-the-ground work with uh, local indigenous adults and children, and they're opening wildlife education centers oh, through, wow. throughout rural Am- Amazonia. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, you know, if you yeah. I mean, the only way to, to save any species is to educate people. Right. And so if you start with the young people that matters the yeah. most to, yeah. there's your – Right, that's your only hope. Right. So um, I really applaud both of those organizations this week.
0: Yeah, and maybe for Christmas you can get me a, a river dolphin. I'm going to adopt stuffy or something. <laughs> Dear
1: family and friends out there, I, you will all be getting a river dolphin <laughs> adoption. Absolutely, that's a great idea, though. I mean, <laughs> is, seriously, is, like it is, it is, it who is. wants another sock or spatula that's, or a you know toy
0: that they're not going to live exactly. uh, use? My conservation tip of the week mm-hmm. is water conservation, and I know yeah. I've kind of talked a little bit about this about you know turning off the sink when you're not using it brushing your teeth, you Mm -hmm. know, turn it on and off. And I know we're kind of lazy and we just take it for granted. I have made a a concerted effort to do that when I'm washing dishes or like I said, if enough of us make an impact and conserve water, Mm -hmm. we will can reduce, you know, by millions of gallons of water each, each year. Absolutely. And deal less with pollution, things going into, you know, sewer systems, things like that. And then also drawing away from our natural resources. So, you know me myself. You know how many gallons of water a week do I save? I don't know, but if if m- most of us do it, thousands of us do sure, it. Sure, you know?
1: and it all starts at home. I have an mm-hmm. almost four year old at home that mimics everything we do. Mm-hmm. So he knows when he brushes his teeth, he shuts off the water. Water, right? That's not. Right. It's not even a thing. And mm-hmm. and so the more. You The more it becomes ingrained in right. your, you know, natural, Daily life. Yeah. Right. The one I'm trying to work with them is sometimes he'll just go tinkle in the potty. Yeah. And I'm like, you don't need to flush that one. But <laughs> yeah. of course at school – yellow,
0: let it mellow. Is that yeah, the – Yeah.
1: My <laughs> husband and I are totally hippies. <laughs> We're like, whatever. You know, we barely flush. Yeah. Um And so, you know, but I think at school, of course, they, fl- right. yeah, <laughs> they yeah, flush yeah. there. So I got to yeah. keep the same message going. Yeah. But you know, little things like that is there's there's it's important because I think water is going to be when we talk about uh, res- resources, resources in the future.
0: Natural water, yeah. That'll that's... be that'll cause. So maybe skip a shower. I, I can't. I it's hard for me not to shower every day, but for some of you, maybe or take a quick shower one day a week. Right. La- little, some little things that we can do. Well,
1: and ladies too. I know yeah. we you know we love to have our good looking hair, but honestly, the less you shampoo your hair the better it yeah, ends the oils up looking. The mm-hmm. oils and and yeah. so yeah, I definitely don't have a problem with skipping showers. <laughs> those, those <laughs> My that,
0: wife doesn't either.
1: Those that know me the best. Yeah, they such mean, a pain in the keystone. Were we talking oh, about the M H C and
0: smells last week? Yeah, yeah. The uh the other thing is, you know, use re- reusable water bottles. Try your best to stop buying plastic water. That's such a, a scam. dollar it is. Two dollars for a bottle grew up of water. In this,
1: Chris and I grew up in the seventies and eighties. Okay. Yeah. I was a late seventies, so yeah. I mostly grew up in the eighties. Uh <laughs> but we didn't have bottled yeah. water. Yeah, we, we didn't, didn't have pay pla- for water. We yeah. didn't have plastic grocery bags. No, and if life was totally fine. Yeah, we were. It was fine. probably better.
0: Yeah, it probably was. So you know, there you go. There's your tips of the week. We're trying to, you know, and I think that has an influence on the oceans, right? Absolutely. All the, the garbage that's being dumped in the oceans. Mm-hmm. So it's every every something we can all do with that. Now, final call for action: If you know somebody that loves animals, please share this podcast with them. Ask them to subscribe. Ask them. To listen, learn, share—that's our motto. Right? Critique. We, yeah, we want feedback. Request but also, animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. We you can go to our Patreon account. Check that out. But please, if you know anybody, just say, hey, check out this podcast. We need to develop this community. We need to spread the word, and we need to network together.
1: Yeah, let us do the. We'll do the the groundwork right, for you.
0: Right, right. So, um, again, thank you for listening.
1: Thank you, everyone.
0: Listen. Learn. Share. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com.